I'm writing this in the in-between time. Twixmas, they've started calling it apparently. The time for many of us when we can fully relax and spend our days either lounging in our pyjamas, reading or watching television, or getting out into the countryside for a bit of much-needed fresh air. At least, that's according to the definition I found on the internet. Personally, I find the bit between Christmas and the New Year a bit flat. I used to be very prone to the post-Christmas blues. Having got so worked up and excited in the run-up, the days after Christmas always left me feeling that there was nothing to look forward to, just a grey January ahead. I've outgrown that now, but I must confess to having gone through the whole Christmas period with mixed emotions. Missing the part of the family that now lives in Italy cast a slight shadow over the festivities. And I'm sure that feeling of loss was multiplied ten times over for many people, maybe some of you listening, for whom 2021 has been a particularly painful year. If you have experienced grief and known loss during these last months, I ask God to be close to you now, to cut you close, so you know his love, from which nothing, not even death, can separate us. Now, don't, don't get me wrong, I still had a lovely time with good food, great presents and most of all, wonderful family gathered around, getting on well and enjoying themselves. But even as I'm writing this, I still feel a little blur, and a bigger bit blur because I can't shake it off. Even though I have so much for which to be grateful, and I am much more fortunate than thousands, probably millions of others. But when those little grey clouds of depression move in, they can be hard to shift. Beating myself up about it doesn't help. Even though there's a part of me that thinks I deserve to beat myself up because I'm just being pathetic. But I know somewhere deep in my heart that that isn't what God thinks. Out on a walk yesterday with family, I asked if anyone was going to make any New Year resolutions. The general consensus was no. Resolutions seemed to be more popular when I was young. I regularly resolved to give up biting my nails. I failed, I still bite them. And, and this was the big one, to stop being shy. Honestly, you might as well tell a tiger to resolve to lose his stripes. But the extended family in which I grew up was full of large characters, large and noisy. Put them together and they'd be drinking, eating and singing, while I'd be trying my hardest to make myself invisible. Although I desperately wanted to be like my cousins who all sang or danced or played the fool for family entertainment, I couldn't. I sometimes joke that these days I'm quiet because I could never get a word in edgeways and so I gave up trying. But really, I'm just quiet. It's me. I learned many, many years later that my father, whom I never knew, was also a bit of an on-the-edge sort of person, the type who kept to himself. So maybe I get it from him. I don't bother to make that shyness resolution anymore, but this short period, this Twixmas, can be a time for contemplation and setting new goals. And that's what I've been thinking about. In theory, a resolution could begin at any time, of course. How many times during the year have I vowed to stop eating so much? But there is something significant about the change in the calendar. The year going from 21 to 22. 
that enthuses many to start afresh, give up or take up, live a better life. More people join slimming clubs in January than at any other time of the year. Similarly, gym membership goes up in January, although one study found that 80% of resolutions are broken by the second week in February. I like to think that I have quite a healthy diet, Christmas accepted, and for the last 15 years or so, with only one or two short breaks, I've taken regular exercise, by which I mean classes, as opposed to walking George, which, these days, with his arthritis, is more about smelling the roses than getting anywhere. Let me make one thing clear. I am not an exercise freak, or even a fan. The best bit is coming home afterwards, feeling smug and having a nice cup of tea. I don't get up and think, yay, exercise today. It's more like, oh, my throat's a bit sore, maybe I shouldn't go. I currently attend two classes, both aimed at the slightly more mature demographic. Having not died from all the fatal illnesses I've believed myself to have over the years, I have now reached the point where I can't imagine dying. So keeping myself in a state in which I can enjoy all these years ahead seems like a good idea. And after all, as St Paul tells us, my body is a temple. It may look less like a stately edifice and more like a bouncy castle, and is treated as such by the grandchildren, but it's the only one I've got. So taking care of it is less of an option and more of a requisite. But what does treating your body as a temple actually mean? Sometimes the quote from Paul's letter to the Corinthians is used to subtly condemn those who have chosen to have piercings or tattoos, or who suffer with body issues leading to eating disorders or obesity, or drug, alcohol, tobacco addiction. But that seems to ignore the fact that Christ came to find us as we are. He considered our bodies to be good enough to move into. He doesn't judge on outward appearance or condemn us without mercy for the issues with which we struggle. Christ wants to help us. Jesus is on our side. Not in a George Bush, God says we should go and bomb the baddies way, but in a personal, individual, wanting the best for and from us way. He is our saviour. He died because he thought we were worth it, no matter what we think. I've spoken before about my struggle to love myself, and I know from speaking to others that I'm not alone in this. Yet when asked what the most important commandment was, Jesus said this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbour as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Love God, of course, but also love your neighbour as you love yourself. If you've ever been on a plane, you will be familiar with the steward's safety talk before the flight. He will say, in the event of a drop in cabin pressure, oxygen masks will fall down. Fit your own before helping anyone else. Not because you're the most important person, but if you can't breathe, you're not going to be able to help anyone else anyway. It's put yourself first, but not for selfish reasons. So Jesus tells us to love ourselves so we can better love our neighbours. But how can I do that when I despise myself? 
then again equally, how can I despise myself when God has chosen me, accepts me and loves me so? He says, though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken. I look at my body and see my flab, my wrinkles, hair where there shouldn't be hair. Recently, husband commented that he needed an eye test as his vision was getting worse. I said, oh, don't get new glasses. It's better if you see me through a bit of a blur. Husband said, I don't see you at all, really. I love you for who I know you are. Husband may not be a Christian yet, but he knows more of God's love than I do. For God doesn't look at the outward appearance, but at the heart. I look into my heart and see the flaws and failings. I remember the things I did that I know were wrong. God looks into my heart and says, Though you have failed, you are sorry and are forgiven. My unfailing love for you will not be shaken. There's a quote I've seen on the internet. I've been unable to find the author, but the quote goes like this. Stop hating yourself for everything you aren't and start loving yourself for everything you already are. Because God loves you and thinks you're worth dying for. Those sentiments are echoed in the wonderful song by Lauren Daigle called You Say. It begins like this. I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. If that sounds familiar to you, do look up the lyrics and listen to her sing them. In you I find my worth, in you I find my identity, and I believe what you say of me. Maybe that would be a good resolution for me to make. To believe, not the voices in my head telling me I'm rubbish, but the true voice of God telling me his unfailing love for me will not be shaken. That would be a pretty good New Year's resolution to make and to keep. Thank you for listening.